Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to ESPN Insiders, Mike Schmitz. We've been enjoying his coverage all year. Latest mock draft is now out on ESPN. Dot com and for now the seventh year i believe can't believe it's it's been that long pleasure to have you here mike how's it going i'm good nate thanks for having me what what was our first one what what draft 2015 2015 wow yeah we're getting old man well yeah that's that was the uh mario hazonia jalil okafor oh porzingis i'd like to think i've yeah, gotten better I'll, I'll at tell- this since then yeah i hope uh old takes exposed doesn't find that episode <laughs> or I might be in trouble. <laughs> hey, I mean, all we have to do is uh, do better than the teams do, which, you know, sometimes that's, that's easier than other times. Uh, we all have our, our good years and our bad years, but hopefully this will be a good year for us. So let's get started here at the top. Uh, listeners know that I go pretty in-depth on some of the top prospects. I've only made it through the top six. So this year, obviously, this is your full-time job, so you've gone further. But I'd like to really get into some of the top guys with you and I think Kate Cunningham is a really interesting one to me. And I know you recently did a piece breaking down some of his moves and what makes him so special. Like, is this guy just, you know, kind of a run of the mill number one pick? Or are we talking about a guy who's really, you know, at the top as far as some of the best number one picks in the last 10 years? Yeah, I think he's toward the middle, if not toward the top, you know, at least at the time of when we, right. you know, like if, if you look at what we thought of them heading into the draft, right? Like, obviously it's different with, you know, certain guys didn't go number one. Um, but I think you look at, you know, Zion, Anthony Davis, maybe Kyrie Irving, but I think he's right there after, after some of those guys. And, you know, I think it's a combination of like the resume, you know, I mean, he's, he was the number one player in his high school class. He was the best player on that Montverde team. He was arguably the best player on that U19 team that won gold, you know, that also had Tyrese Halliburton, that also had um, Jalen Green, that also had Evan Mobley, who I think was a little bit dinged up, but Kyra Lewis, you know, like really good tournament. Um, and then I think what he did at, at Oklahoma State, you know, I'm, I'm not sure like the numbers completely tell the story just because, um, you know, like he's going to look better with more shooting around him with more NBA space. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's a total stud, man. And I think people are kind of calling him just like a really good player just because his game doesn't really like jump off the screen right like it's not like zion it's not like anthony edwards it's not like Ja, one of these like physical explosive type of guys he kind of more just like lulls you to sleep and then makes you pay with skill um so to me he's 
you know, what the modern NBA is, is all about and, and getting those guys gives you so much, you know, positional versatility and lineup versatility and different things you can do. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Cade and, and his mental makeup as well, just as a guy who's like not always rattled. He likes those late game moments. Sometimes you want to rev him up a little bit, but I've, I've described his likely outcome as like somewhere between Middleton and Doncic. And I think that's a pretty, pretty solid, um, outcome if if you're the Detroit Pistons oh yeah for sure and I think he's what's most impressed me about him and I think we've sort of gotten used to the idea of this six seven guy in the NBA who can handle the ball and do everything be this heliocentric player who passes uh, the ball shoots sets up his teammates but you don't see guys doing that at his size and his age the way that he does to and to be as good of a passer as he is and pick and roll, throwing passes with both hands uh, all over the place, and then to be as good of a shooter as he is. I mean, just the skill level that he's shown at that size, at that age, I struggle to think, other than Luca, of recent vintage, who would fall into that category? Yeah, there's there's really not a lot of guys, honestly. And, you know, I've made the argument that he's maybe like the most complete prospect you know i've evaluated because like he okay he doesn't quite have the wow factor of luca right i mean what luca did at his age i think his just like killer instinct and joy for the game all that stuff is like prodigy type of stuff right um but with cade like he's so like he's a better catch and shoot guy at the same stage right like i think that makes him really interesting he's better in the mid post he has a little bit more of a mid-range game at the same stage. And by the way, he has like a 7-2 wingspan and can give you a little bit more defensively too. So like when you go across the board, um, he, he just checks so many boxes at like a pretty high level. And, you know, talking about the, that piece I did with the moves, like I, usually I'll go back and, and look at different players at the same age to see, you know, how, how similar they are. And um, I know the game has changed a little bit, but like, a lot of those guys you'll comp him to um, didn't really even have this type of polish with, you know, the step backs to through the leg leg step backs, these kind of shimmy moves in the mid post. Like he's turnarounds, jump hooks like he has everything. And, um, you know, so I think there there's the thought that like, OK, he, he looks slow and he, and he looks unathletic. And because of that, he's maybe just another guy. And like, I think we've all learned that that's not how the NBA works anymore. So the things, the two things that stuck out to me that would most concern me as far as him really being able to be a huge star in the league, just being able to get separation off the dribble and then being able to finish at the rim. Are those, I mean, obviously we're talking about a very good prospect, so I don't want to say it's necessarily a, a concern, but how do you feel about those two aspects uh, of his game. Do you agree with me that those are potential points where he's not as advanced uh, or do you think that that's uh, places where he's going to be affected? Yeah. I mean, I think there were times as is the case with, you know, a lot of guys at this age, there were times that, uh, you know, Kai Jones or Greg Brown or, or players with that length and athleticism bothered him a little bit, you know, on the perimeter. To me, I was more uh, like the ball security stuff at times, you know, just like kind of loose, like just kind of loose with the ball. Um, yeah. That's obviously something that that you can clean up. Um, you know, I don't think that the negative assist to turnover ratio you mentioned it is indicative of the passer he is at all. Uh, but still, like you should not be turning the ball over four times a game, you know? So 
So uh, you, you would hope that that improves, but he was the most efficient isolation scorer in all of college basketball, like amongst high volume guys. And so I think he has a way of getting to his spots. He has a really good feel for like making you lean one way and then creating just enough space to get to his pull up or to get into his, to get into your body. You know, I think he's going to be really good kind of putting guys in jail. Like we've seen from a lot of players, you know, in his mold, um, you know, he got to the free throw line at a really good clip. So the, the, the shot creation stuff, I'm not super worried about just because as you know, like you can't really touch anyone now. And if you have positional size and you can shoot off the dribble and you have feel, especially like passing off the dribble, I think you're really hard to guard. Um, and the finishing, I, I do think like there, he definitely doesn't have a ton of pop at the rim. Um, but I like that he has length and I like that he has floaters, touch shots, uh, and I think he's going to get craftier and craftier. I mean, he has huge hands too, huge yeah. hands, long arms, all those things. And, and he's good at initiating contact. So um, I think he's going to live at the free throw line. And I think those are all areas he's going to improve. And, and like I said, like just genuinely one of the more complete prospects I, I, I can ever remember. Yeah. One of the interesting things about his ISO game uh, going through it and then also looking at, at the numbers was he was very good on uh just a, the initial jump shot when he gets the ball off a pass in the post, like triple threat, just shoot the jumper immediately. The numbers weren't quite as good when he was asked to put the ball on the floor or, or not asked to, but forced to by the defense. Um, so that, but I think that his uh, skill level makes you think that he's going to be able to figure his way out of that. And yeah, you know, if he's not going to go up and dunk on people, at the rim every time, you know, I don't necessarily have a bunch of confidence that he's going to like go through the chest of his defender and score, mm -hmm. you know, Luka Doncic doesn't do that either. Right. Like he's able to, and I think it's harder when you're one of these guys who kind of meanders into his spot and just gets to his spot because as a help guy, you can't just be like, Oh, this is a drive. I got to sprint over. Like it's really hard to time up of like, when am I going to get over there? And Luka, you know, he shoots 75, 80% at the rim sometimes because of that. So I don't want to compare him too much to Luca, but I think he, he just seems like a guy who's going to figure it out with that size and that kind of skill level to me. Yeah, no, I think so too. And, and I, I think like that is kind of like the ups, like the dream scenario. If he, if everything hit, like maybe he could be that caliber of player, but you know, like I said earlier, like Luca is very wired very differently. And I mean, he's every bit of six, eight, like two fifty. you know what I mean? I yeah. think that's maybe the difference too, between these two. But like I said, Cade, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma State head, co head coach Mike Boynton told me, you know, months ago, uh, and it really resonated. He's just like, listen, man, like anywhere you put Cade, he's going to fit, you know, like yeah. if you want to use him as like a big wing catch and shoot guy, he can do that. You want to use him to like, you know, operate out of the mid post and invert your offense. He can do that. You want him to be your lead ball handler, play pick and roll. He can do that. And you want him to like add a little bit of value defensively or on the glass. Like he's capable of doing that, you know? So um, to me, that's, that's what's so intriguing about it. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone 
is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easy room slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. Things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us how do you compare him to jalen green like if you know there's been a little buzz you know jalen green had this great workout in detroit and like you know maybe they would they would consider him and i i you know it seems like most of people are, are of the opinion that they're just gonna take Cade and, and and that's gonna be that and this is kind of smoke screen a little bit but if is Green in the same class as Kay Cunningham to you? I, I think that Cade is kind of, well, one, like we've been saying on every, you know, medium possible. Like, I think all three of these guys are really, in my opinion, like really are number one caliber yeah. guys. Um, with that said, I think that Cade is, is kind of, if you were doing tiers, you know, I would yeah. kind of have him. A notch above in his own little class yeah. and then i would have and that's no green knock on green at, at all obviously but i think it's it's more just a compliment to kate because I, I really like green also 
Yeah, love Green. Like, really, really big fan of his. And, like, how his game has matured, too, you know. Uh, I, he, he's just, like, he's got this, like, rawness to him and, like, realness in terms of, like, his personality and his approach that I just, I, I really respect, especially for a kid who, you know, was number one in his class at one point, was, you know, social big social media following, all those things. Like, a million reasons why he could have flopped, you know. Um and I just I feel like he has this kind of like quiet dog mentality that I really like. And, you know, he used to not be like this shot maker. I mean, he was like a downhill like slasher, you know, and now he's like perfectly balanced step back threes like his footwork, his ability to separate um, is pretty rare for, for a guy that age. And then you look at the productivity, um, you know, in, in the G League at that age too, like. He, he's really impressive, man. Everything he does is effortless, smooth. Uh, you know, I think he can be truly like one of the league's top scorers one day. It's just a matter of, okay, are, are you doing all the other things now as well? You know, are, are you defending? Are you playmaking? Are you facilitating? And I think he's improved as a passer. I think he's improved defensively. And I think he does have the will to become like a more complete player and not just like, you know, a bucket getter. Um, but I think that might take, you know, a couple of years just because he's still kind of growing into his body and refining some, some of his skill. This will come up when we talk about Jonathan Kaminga as well, but what did you make of the situation with G League Ignite this year and then jumping into the bubble, playing 15 games in like a, a month, essentially? And, you know, like how should we evaluate that compared to, say, college basketball? Because you have, uh, on the one hand, the whole point of this is to develop these guys. It's they're trying to do it in a competitive situation, but you know, obviously they weren't gonna let Jonathan Kuminga shoot as much as he wanted to on a team that was like really truly trying to win. You know, so they're featuring them. I also didn't didn't seem like they had like a ton of spacing on that team just uh, with the personnel, but f- feel free to correct me if you think I, I'm wrong on that. But what should we take of what Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga did compared to what happened in college basketball for some of these other prospects? Yeah. You know, to me, it it was, it was impressive, honestly. Um, You know, I think the way it worked out um, with the bubble and with being able to play 15, 16 games, like really, and get seen by executives more than the college prospects were just because of the rules of the league, like that you weren't allowed to go into a college gym as an executive, a tier one executive, and then go back to your NBA team without like, 30 negative tests, you know? Um, So there were execs just like sitting front and center, watching these guys practice and play. And um, so I would have been interested to see what it looked like if there was no bubble and like, you know, you're traveling and how many actual G league games are you playing? Are you playing showcases, all that. And then some of these teams, you know, like, especially at the beginning of the bubble, like some of the G league teams had just gotten together, right? Like, I don't know if they caught them, at like their peak right away, you know, um, the G league at rosters and everything's so fluid, but I still think that, uh, you know, the level of the level of play is, is obviously higher than college basketball. And, um, you know, the fact that green like had such a, if you look at it, like a really consistent year, you know what I mean? Like he, he only had a couple duds, you know, and I think he 
grew over the course of the entire bubble. So um, I give him a lot of credit. You know, I, I was up there and I was up there in Walnut Creek. Um, you know, you're familiar and with the area, but I, I was up there watching them practice and like it wasn't always easy on them, you know, with the COVID restrictions and the protocols and like the, you know, hoping they could get in the gym a little bit more than they could. And uh, I think it was really difficult all the while Jalen Suggs is dropping triple doubles on national TV. And it's like, man, this is tough, you know? And so um, I thought they, they all showed some resilience and, you know, the, the level of play is, is still a little bit higher than college basketball. So I, I think we should take that into account. No, I, I'd agree with you. I, I was impressed that he was able to do what he was in that situation. And particularly, I mean, when you consider that, you know, he's playing with Jared Jack, Kaminga, who couldn't make threes. Uh, Brandon Ashley is like, you know, he'll stretch out every once in a while, but he wants to do more inside. And then a center, most of the time, you know, it wasn't like this was just some like normal NBA spacing type of offense uh, that he was playing. Right. In. Uh, you know, which made it more difficult. And like some of his pick and roll numbers were awful, but like, who is he supposed to pass it to in those situations? Right. So I, like, I think he, he did a pretty decent job of hitting the big mm -hmm. and pick and roll, but then I think, you know, finding shooters, he wasn't that good at, but there also, there weren't necessarily shooters out there that much either. So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed with what he did and you know i i've where do you feel he falls sort of in the shooting guard prospects that we talked about you know, anthony edwards or bradley beal zach levine wasn't considered that type of prospect at the time maybe you put marco fultz in that or, or maybe you consider him a point guard but how, how do you see him comparing to some of the those you know six five ish guards that we've seen in the last 10 years yeah i think i think he's better than all of them yeah. um i mean at the time, you know, yeah. like I, 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 you know, of the ones you listed, at least, right? Like, yeah. there's probably some guy that we're spacing on here, but uh, and, and the reality is, like, you remember, I was the king of Markel Fultz Island. You know what I mean? So, I, well, I, that's I was maybe, right like, there with you, man. Uh, you know, oh, uh, what, unfortunately, like, the coconut have a there did not taste as sweet as we hoped. Yeah, we could have a whole other podcast about that, but like, I, you know, just a reminder to people watching, like Washington Markel Fultz was special. And um, so, you know, maybe it's a little bit of revisionist history for me to say that that green is a better prospect than that. Um, but those other ones that you mentioned, you know, Anthony Edwards, like I think that green, uh, you know, at the same stage probably impacts winning uh, even a little bit more. Um, you know, there's certainly a better shooter at that stage, um, you know, not quite as as physical to the rim. Uh, but I can see green becoming like a five assist guy, you know, I, I really can kind of like we've seen, um, I've described him as, as like Zach Levine's athleticism with Bradley, Bradley Beal's like game, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, and to me, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's an, an all-star for, for a long, long time, you know? So the pick and roll stuff, like I've talked about this with him, you know, I think a lot of it is like slowing down and working on his setups and making sure his guy runs into the screen and being physical with that stuff, because like, he's not like a non-passer, um, like you mentioned, like good at hitting the big, understands pocket passes, all that. So I, I think he's going to get there with all that stuff. My two concerns about him, number one is his release is a little bit low. And I think that's something that might affect his ability in the mid range, whether it's being vulnerable to like a rear view contest and pick and roll or, you know, just in a straight ISO game, getting a shot off. Although he does create plenty of space, obviously, with, with step backs and his athleticism and the rise that he gets uh and then the other concern that i had is just he's a little thin right you you wonder about his ability to 
get enough meat on him to where you know he's not going to just get run over if he gets stuck in a switch um you know and that's really kind of more of a deep in the playoffs sort of of concern what are your thoughts uh, on uh, those two potential weaknesses yeah i mean the frame still filling out I, I will say you know i was able to be around him a little bit in la and, and watch him work out and like he, he his body is is coming along Great. um and he he honestly lives in the gym like he he likes he genuinely likes being in the gym um and he goes hard like really hard i think th- that's kind of an underrated aspect like i said like he has this quiet like killer to him because he's not this you know i sit down and interview him and he he's not a great interview honestly in in like a traditional sense yeah. um but he does have this like quiet tenacity to him you know he'll tell he tells you like i'm sick of people talking about all these other guys when i'm the best prospect and, 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 uh, you know, I, I wrote this when I initially went to see them, but you know, the ignite guys like picked on him quite a bit in terms of like his, his weight, like they would put him in the post, put him in the post, put him in the post. They would call out this, this play called baby. And then just like put him in the mid post and attack him and attack him and attack him until he got tougher, you know? And, and I think that you could see some of those strides for me. It's more like he's a little, um, and again, how many young guards wings are, are good off ball defenders. Not many, but he's a little spacey um, yeah. in, in that way. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's got the acceleration, I think to make plays in the passing lanes when, when he's locked in. Um, yeah. That's, that's good to hear uh, about uh, his strength as well. And being in fantastic shape that because of how good he is in transition, I mean, being able to run the floor and run the lanes uh, really hard, you know, kind of the way like Devin Booker does mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. days, it would be great. What do you think about the, the, release aspect for him of just being like an absolute like high level of scorer uh as far as it being a little low yeah i mean i'm not that i'm not that worried about it just because of like i think he's going to shoot it really deep um he shoots it pretty effortlessly you know and and his balance and like i mean some of his like snatchback moves and pullback moves and step backs like the ground he covers like he definitely covers more ground than a guy like Cade, even at his size you know um and so i think he's still gonna be able to get to that almost like beal like you know how beal almost like leaps and just like covers so much ground yeah um I, I think there's going to be some some similarities there, and he's studying all the right guys. And um, you know, I think a lot of it initially was like, all right, I want the, I've always had the ball in my hands. I want the ball in my hands. I want the ball in my hands. And it's like, how do I how do I add value when the ball is not in my hands? And and I think that was a big learning curve for him. And it's getting in his head that hey, Bradley Beal scores or Devin Booker, they score a lot just like, like you said, sprinting in transition or like busting out of handoffs or, you know, it's not always 20 dribbles. So um, I think that's been an evolution for him. But yeah, no, I, I'm a huge fan of his man. And I think in Houston, um, they're, they're searching for star potential and and he certainly has that. Yeah, I liked him, you know, starting in the corner off of those wide pin downs because he's so just fast in a straight line mm-hmm. as well. Like his first mm-hmm. step is fast, but his third step might be even faster is the way I put it when I talked about him. So, you know, if he can get a running start into those handoffs coming out of the corner or, you know, then he, you topside him and he can get back door and get on top of the rim for an alley-oop as well. I think that's yep. where he could be really effective. So anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets. 
from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us um evan mobley first off uh would you you know if, if you're running a team would mobley uh be in consideration for the number two pick for you or do you see him uh, again as maybe a tier below green with the caveat of course that uh, again you're very high on him yeah no i would i i think they're in a similar tier they're just so different yeah you know um and i'm listen like a lot of the year i i was evan mobley you know number two um, just because if you go down the line and you talk about like his impact on, on both ends of the floor, uh, you know, the, the versatility that he brings, I think he can play some four. I think he can play some five. Um, it's just a matter of like, I, I just eventually was like, man, like w- with the importance of shot creation and Jalen Green's star power and his explosiveness, how he's improved as a shooter, what he's like as a kid. Just like I, you know, I I would have him too, but that's nothing against Evan at all. I think it's just if you're looking for like a number one score, then Jalen Green's your guy. If if you're looking for this almost like connector, right? Like yeah. somebody who's gonna move the ball side to side, who's gonna play out of handoffs, who's unselfish, who who's gonna um, you know take away driving lanes and and shots at the rim just by sheer virtue of his length and instincts, then, you know, I think Evan is the guy. I mean, I'm not sure he's ever going to, he's probably going to be like your third option offensively, you know, as a score. Um, but I think he's a guy who can average like five assists a game and, and uh, can continue to like expand those things as well and, and fit in defensively. So like, that's, that's my big thing when everyone's saying, Oh my God, like the big is dead. The center position, the, the whatever is dead. No, like the run and jump or the plotter, like that can't pass or shoot threes. Like those are dead, right? Not yeah. dead, but like you can, you can go get guys who do those things for relatively cheap, but the guys with feel and touch and finesse and IQ and all that, um, that that's a lot harder to find in my opinion. So here's my big question on Mobley. I, I agree with everything that you just said there. My question is, can he hold up at center or is he going to run into some of the same problems that we've seen with Jaron Jackson? And I'd say Jackson actually maybe has a little bulkier frame than him at the same age, yeah. but defensive rebounding, getting in foul trouble perhaps, although Mobley was incredibly low foul rate, which I, I was impressed by. Because uh, to me, if he can't play center, at least at the end of games, you know, sort of Anthony Davis style, that puts a very uh, hard limit to me on his ceiling. So is he going to be able to hold up at the center position in time, do you think? I hope so. You know, when when you look at 
just NBA strength and conditioning and how bodies have developed. I mean, he's not as like wide shouldered as AD, you know, yeah. like even when AD was coming out for as skinny as he was, you, you knew like, all right, those, that body's, especially he was such a late bloomer like that, that body's going to fill out, you know, Evan's a little like, high hipped and slender, right? Like I think physically he may end up being more along the lines of Chris Bosch. Um, and, you know, we, we saw he played, a decent amount of five for, for the heat, right? Like, um, you know, he would shift over and, and, and play that role. And, um, so I think he can do it like in that sense. Um, but that's, that's where I think is going to be important for him. But I mean, you can, you can change bodies to some degree, you know, like once you get to the NBA, to me, I'm not as generally worried about that maybe as much as I should be. Um, it's just hard to develop, you know, that, that kind of feel. And so I think he's going to be, like you said, like, I think a little bit of AD there and that you start him at the four, he can play with like a lob catcher because of his high low game. And the fact that I think he's going to make threes and all that. Um, and then he plays, you know, some small ball five and hopefully eventually, you know, turns himself into a five, but yeah, Jaron is a name that's come to mind for me. Uh, quite a bit. I mean, honestly, I think Evan is a little bit tougher. Um, and I'm not saying Evan is like some smash mouth guy. He's definitely finesse. Um, but you know, I, I always saw Jaron as just a little bit softer, um, coming out and I wasn't quite as like, you know, obsessed with Jaron as like the internet or, you know, everyone else in the world. But, um, so maybe that's creeping in, but yeah, I think eventually Evan will be able to, you know, handle that, that five spot, at least like half the game, you know? Yeah. And I think that would, would probably be enough because it, it but if he's going to play four, he's gonna have to really be able to make shots, uh, I think yep. as well. And I mean, what, what I love about him is the versatility, right? So you mentioned the handoff game, but he can get on top of the rim for an alley-oop. And, you know, I thought his passing actually was the skill I was most impressed by of anything was some of those passes that he would throw to the weak side at USC. And, you know, I was thinking that generally, you know, I don't put a ton of stock into workouts and stuff, probably because I don't see them, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but for him, better that way (laughs) for, for him, I would be very curious to see him in a workout. Number one of just like, all right, what's he been able to do to his frame since the season ended? And number two, like how's he shooting the ball? You know, are you buying that he's going to be a, a guy you can shoot thirty six percent from three, play that stretch four element, or even more exciting stretch five? Um, so, is there any indication that you know that's been good for him? I know you don't hear that much on like how guys are working out in the top five necessarily, but any yeah, he you can shed light on that. Yeah, he's been, you know, I haven't been around him um, as much, you know, they've kind of kept things pretty, pretty close to the vest throughout his, his pre-draft process. Um, But I I do think that, you know, he's, he's somebody that's, that's going to be able to step out and and shoot it at, at a decent clip. Like he's, he's not, he's nowhere near the shooter that Jaron is. Um, And and I think a lot of that is like, you can use Jaron as like a weapon. You know what I mean? Like funky or not, he's got that kind of quick release um, and, you know, he, he can get it off and he can kind of like almost shoot it on the move a little bit too. Um, Evan is more like set, needs to take his time a little bit, but I don't know. I was probably at like eight or nine USC home games this year um, and watching him pregame like the The touch is is so, so, so natural. Um, he shoots kind of a little bit on the way down at times, like just like a very slight, like, um, 
little shift there, I think could turn him into like a 35% type of guy. You know, I'm not sure that's ever going to be like his thing. I think his thing is more going to be like the handling and the passing um, and the finishing and the paint. Like he has, you know, the floaters, I think he's going to be great. Um, Footwork is amazing. But if you look at some of the like bust outs and transition when he's handling the ball, I mean, when, when I watched him in high school, he was playing like point center, like he was bringing the ball up. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's an old tape of him against James Wiseman in high school when he was a junior. And, uh, that's just for anyone, for all the people who tweet me asking who would you rather have Mobley or, or Wiseman, just go Google that video. And, um, it, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive for what he did at that age. Yeah. So what do you see? I mean, uh, to me, there's the rim protection aspect. Like he's got so many potential skills but like not one that's really elite yet. On, on both ends like there's the switching there's the rim protection there's the passing there's the shooting there's the post game maybe against smaller players uh, as a, a scorer there's the pick and roll dive game we talked about the passing but of those skills which do you see as kind of the most likely to really pop for him to kind of become a bread and butter yeah, no, I and I think that's fair. And that's and that's why, you know, when you talk to people in the NBA, it's like it's not, hey, Evan Mobley's a clear cut best prospect because he's the best player now. It's like, no, this kid in the right situation with the right development, with the right, you know, strength and conditioning could end up being the best in three to four years. Like I still think he he's of the three, probably the longest um term, you know, yeah. to where he reaches his full potential. Um but I think that well defensively, I think it's the switching. Like I think yeah. that's where he's most comfortable. There's a there's a clip against Utah. There's a couple clips against Arizona State, a game that I was at, and he's like sitting down and sliding against like you know little guard named Alonzo Verge, who was a bucket um, for ASU, and just like containing him, like really active with his feet, great timing with like when to contest. He just has a great feel defensively. I'm not sure he's gonna be. Like he's definitely not going to be the rim protector of like an AD, you know, like I, obviously that's a high bar, but sure. um, AD was like shattered records in, in, in college. You know, I, I don't think he's, he's at that level. I think he more likes to like be out on the perimeter and guard. Um, so defensively, and he's not a great defensive rebounder yet either, you know? Yeah. So I think if you could play him early on next to like, that's honestly why I always thought him and Isaiah Stewart could be kind of interesting just because yeah. Stewart is this like physical junkyard dog rebound box out guy. Right. Um, I think that would be a fun tandem, but then yeah, offensively, I think early, like he's going to be a flow guy, you know, like I think passing will be his elite skill and then finishing like whether it's lobs or like touch shots. I think that's where he's going to get the majority of his points. Early, at least. Yeah, I think he could be a real asset in any kind of like a short roll situation. Yes. You know, you mentioned the switching. And when I watched that tape, I was like, you know, he's not just like, it doesn't look like he's just like, all right, stoning the guy. Like the guy's running right into his chest and just can't go anywhere. It's more just he knows the angles. He's got a lot of length. And that was a theme that came up for me with him a, a lot. Also part about how I think he avoided fouling a lot. Um, you know, and he'd get some of those Tim Duncan style blocks where he wouldn't even leave, leave his feet. But the thing that I thought of with him a lot as I watched the film was economy of motion. And I think his feel is very, very good. And that's part of why he can do that. But also there were maybe times where I was like, all right, let's see him turn on the jets here. You know, every once in a while when you'd really see him close out or 
sprint the floor and transition, which I thought he did very rarely. Uh, you know, you're like, oh man, this guy's really covering some ground. So what what do you think of his mentality? It maybe is the the best way to put it. Of you know, is he going to go out there and play hard and make the most of his physical gifts in some of the effort categories? Yeah, he's he's a finesse guy by nature. You know, like if you want him to be like a rim to rim, just sprint the floor. This is what you do. Like he he's not going to do that yeah. uh, like consistently. You know, like because he understands. Well, wait a minute, like. Okay, let's get into our flow. And then like I'm so skilled as a passer or as a ball handler or as like a finisher in these mid-range spots that like, you know, we'll we'll get to our stuff. Like he's not like an urgent human being. You know, you never see him get too high or you never see him get too low. Like he's not this erratic guy. He's almost I, I would describe him as like a one speed mover. You know, um, like, you know, those guys were like quick cuts and quick twitch and, and that's how they that's how they move. He, he's not really that way. Yeah. Um, he's just like a he's a flow guy, you know, so uh, I, I had a problem with that early on, honestly. And like it took me some time to fully get on board with him as like an elite prospect because, you know, I, I was like, man, this kid. He, he just looks soft, you know, like he, uh, he, he's not, a, he was very, he was very shy and he was not this yeah. like huge personality. And when we interview him, it's like, okay, nice kid. But like, is that what he is? Is he just a nice kid? And then you see, you know, zero shots against Utah or, you know, some games when he could have been more aggressive. But um, I think that part of his game has really evolved. Like the assertiveness. I mean, you see that, that dunk in the NCAA tournament that like, that was like, okay, Evan, like, let's see, let's see that more, you know? And so I'm hoping he, he gets to a spot where where he's pushed to do that but you know thankfully for him he has like the iq and the skill level to kind of blend the finesse with some of the physical tools if that makes sense yeah it seems like he might be a guy who just is a little under underrated maybe because he doesn't you know stand out and have necessarily that one big skill so we can move it a little faster with some of these other guys here and to me, Scotty Barnes was a very controversial prospect. And and I will be honest, I was surprised to see him rising up uh, boards as much as he was because I just like, I, my concern is just that he can't shoot and he's never going to be able to shoot. So am I wrong about that? Like, do you, is, because I thought his jumper just kind of broken the form, like the way he kind of shoots with his legs wide, there's no versatility to it. It doesn't go in. Uh, am I being too harsh? on his jump shot because to me if he doesn't have a, a a jump shot and I'm not even talking about you know just hitting a standstill three which maybe you can do someday but like actually being able to do anything off the dribble with the jump shot at, at all to me he's getting talked about too high if that jump shot doesn't come around so am I being too harsh on that aspect of his game I think he'll make standstill threes at a decent clip um yeah. you know you look at maybe like Kyle Anderson what did he shoot this last year yeah, he wasn't bad, right? I mean, he's had some years where he's okay, but you know, extremely low volume. But uh, right, that's that's kind of kind of how I see him. Like, I guess Kyle has a little bit more, like mid more mid range right, game yeah. um, than than he does. But like in terms of the standstill stuff, I think he, I think he's gonna get there. I mean, I saw him in Santa Barbara a couple days, um, you know, and I used to be like you. I, I mean, I remember him at those USA basketball camps and it, the ball was spinning in all different directions <laughs> and it just looked like there was no touch and no, and I'm not sure he has like amazing natural touch, um, but I'm just, I'm betting on this, 
this person like yeah. every every single day of the week. And, and and that's that's where, you know, we we are lucky to be in the position we are to like be around these guys and, and get to know them a little bit and get to know the people that that, um, you know, have coached them and been with them is like he's he's maybe the most beloved prospect I've ever in, in my whole, entire career doing this like the way people talk about him um watching his evolution since you know he was 15 years old at at usab like he's just he's wired extremely different than anyone i've ever been around so he's never going to be you know he doesn't want to score and and that's that's the challenge you have and that's why he's not going to be for everyone right like it's 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 going to be a hurdle for him to get to the point where like he's aggressive in spots that he needs to be but thankfully um he can really handle he can really pass and he can really guard now it was hard to kind of get a full view of like can he guard up at florida state just because they kind of used him as a disruptor you know um as like a 94 feet guy and you know what makes draymond so good is like you can't move him and the verticality at the rim is like special you know right um so I'm not sure he has those things quite yet, but the kid is incredible. The size, the length is unbelievable. Um, the ball handling, the passing. And what he does have that I think is going to help bail him out is like he's got those little touch shots, those floaters. Yeah, um, I, I did note that, yeah. So, yeah, he's he's highly unique, man. But I just – I love the person. I love the fact that he's won everywhere he's gone. I mean, you talk to like the Montverde coaches and they're like – that guy was our spirit. Like he's the reason why we were so good. You talk to USA basketball people. They're like, that guy made prospects quit. Like they didn't come back because of just how intense Scotty was and how much he wanted to win. And like, to me, when you pair that with a great feel, a great kid and some tools, then, you know, I'll I'll take it and run with it. Yeah. And it seems very clear to me, even just watching the film of just how good a a communicator he is and how good of a a teammate he he is and and how good the feel is. Yeah. That, I mean, the other way that I think that he could really succeed to me is if he can play that small ball center. And I just, I didn't see enough from him as a rim protector. Um, Yeah. You know, I think he could get strong enough to where he's, you know, maybe he's not going to guard Jokic, but he'll guard some of these other guys. You know, and, and it, he can be in a, in a switching system. But because if he's the, the five on defense and he's your only guy that can't shoot, now you can work with him a, a lot more. And I guess just for like a guy who I see as kind of just solely defense and passing, I just wanted to see a little bit more explosion uh, as a, a rim protector and a finisher. Not that he's, you know, he's a solid, very solid athlete, but I wouldn't say like a nuclear athlete. Um and so I just, I, especially just having seen the playoffs that we just did with Ben Simmons and just yeah. how, how hard it is to build your team around someone like that who needs the ball, but also can't shoot and then also can't play center. Like that's, that's kind of where my concern comes in. I, mean, I could see him being a very effective regular season player, but, um, and you know, yeah, obviously, I, I yeah, think, I, no, I did last note on him. Like the thing that, you know, we could talk about Ben Simmons, but like, I don't think Ben Simmons ever wanted to do that like you talk to scotty barnes and he's like yeah i'll play center he's like i might be a center you know like um and and so he'll embrace that and the other thing is if you see him in person he's huge like like the frame and the body like i mean he's 225 at five percent body fat 
you know, like I think he's going to have no problem getting up. Like he could play at 240 pounds um, and, and maybe more. And then you talk about the seven, three wingspan, the nine reach. Um, you know, I, I think he'll get there in that regard. And, and that's, that's how I would use him. I would, I would use, you know, you guy, you could probably start at the four, move him to the five and, and see what happened. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So two other guys that I really want to hit on here and then get your quick opinions on some of the guys I haven't looked at as much. Uh, Jalen Suggs, kind of consensus, number four. What do you kind of expect from him? Is he a guy who has superstar upside or do you think of him more as like, all right, we drafted our, our point guard. who's going to be a solid starting point guard, but I'm not sure if like, okay, this is the all-NBA player that we're building uh, around here. Which of those two camps would you fall into a, a little bit more? Yeah, I don't I don't think he has, like, <clears throat> your traditional upside, like like we talked about with those other guys, right, with Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley. Like, he's, he's a little bit more of a finished product. Um, you know, when I saw him at USA always, he was like a piece, right? He was like an energy guy, defender, fly around, winner. Everybody loved him, but I'd never seen him like with the ball in his hands like yeah. we did at Gonzaga. And that's why, you know, we had him like 15 or 16 or something like that to start the year just because it was more like, all right, like this guy's going to be a really good, like potentially a starter, um, kind of a combo guard. And, you know, I, I still think he probably needs another ball handler next to him early in his career. Like a lot of his shot creation for others is in trans is in transition. Um, and I think like some of the ball screen stuff, like still fine tuning a little bit along with the shooting. Um, but he's one of those guys who I think can like, he's going to overachieve. You know, like yeah. that's what he does. That's what he's done everywhere he's gone. So like the moment that we say like, okay, is he talented enough? Like he's going to bust through those walls. I think, you know, I've comped him to drew holiday and, you know, not everyone agrees with that, whatever I, you know, Suggs obviously more accomplished at the same age, but that's the light that I see him in. Like he's going to guard the other team's best player. Okay. And at like an elite level, that's where I think he's like, has a chance to be like special because his balance, his foot speed, his toughness, like how he can blow up handoffs and his instincts off the ball, his steal rate, all that rotating from the weak side for blocks, like his motor, you don't see top five picks with that motor like yeah. ever, you know, incredibly rare. Um, and then offensively, I think if he's in kind of a holiday role where you can have like, you know, a Middleton as like a late clock guy, or you can have a Giannis as, as your star, like pressure on the rim guy, then I think that's perfect. Um, and he, he probably has a little bit more, a little bit more game maybe at the same age than drew. Um, but I see him in that role, a guy who's like really good starter on a high end playoff team with a chance to, you know, make a couple all-star games. Um, and that's why Toronto is kind of an interesting spot to be honest. Yeah. I think where I might disagree with you on him was uh, defensively. I didn't see him uh, at least with the drew comparison. Obviously we're talking about the best guard in the NBA. So, you know, for him to not quite live up to that it is, uh, you know, nothing bad to say about him. But I didn't see him, like, heat up the ball as much. And, you know, maybe that's part, partly due to his offensive role and just what Gonzaga wanted to do. I don't see him as the type of length. I don't see him as having the type of hands on the ball. I really liked his anticipation as a steals guy off the ball, you know, to make plays on, on passes and as a help defender. But not as much on So I didn't see him as quite the on-ball guy 
as Drew, do you, do you see it differently or is it, am I, uh, do you think I'm on something there? No, no, no. Yeah. I, I think his biggest problem on the ball is that he's like, so he's one of these really revved up guys who will pick up like ticky tack fouls and get really pissed, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's why I think like it's good to have a calming presence guard next to him because naturally he's just like kind of a rah-rah guy, you know? Um, and again, like we've seen him make huge shots and big moments where he finds that inner calm, right? So like to say he doesn't have that at all would, would be false. But, you know, everyone's like, oh, Drew Holiday is like so much bigger and so much longer. Like their measurements are pretty close to identical. Um, and I, I do think that, again, Drew Holiday, best defensive guard in the NBA. I love Drew Holiday. He's one of my favorite players in the entire league, you know? So me comping him to Drew Holiday, people have almost taken that as like disrespect. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are we talking about here? Um, but I think he has that type of defensive potential just because of how tough he is. Like, you know how hard it is to move Drew in the mid post, yeah. right? Um, like he, he's, he's almost like a big down there. Like he just, he's so sturdy, you know? And, and I think Suggs has that type of strength and what I've heard like from some of his workouts, and again, this is like one on O stuff with, you know, whatever, like not against other players, but like his physicality and his tenaciousness, like he's going to be one of the strongest guards in the NBA from day one. And so maybe there are some habits that he can like improve, but um, in other roles and at Gonzaga, frankly, like I thought he was one of the best defenders in the country, honestly. Yeah. And if he can guard guys uh, on switches too, that would really make things, make him a much more exciting prospect uh, to me. So he definitely can do that. Like yeah. that, that to me, that's like zero, like on the defensive side of the ball, I have zero questions about him other than like maybe some of the fouling, you know, um, but to me, it's more like the, you know, your handle, um, the consistency of your shooting and the fact that like 30% of your offense came in transition, you know, and, and like, you know, having Corey Kispert and having Drew Timmy and having Joel Ayayi and playing an NBA style, like, you know, that helps to some degree. Right. So, sure. um, I, I think that that's like it, it, compare that to Cade's situation, you know, um, just very, very different. But yeah, no, defensively, I'm, I, I, I think he's a complete stud personally. All right, so that's a, that's your top five. You got Barnes mocked to uh, the Magic at five, and so for you personally, we've got you know the Thunder at six, the Warriors at seven, and you've got James Booknight and Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy. That seems like sort of your next tier of guys. Um, is there any of those guys? of those five that stands out to you where if you're the Oklahoma city thunder, they basically need everything at this point where you're just like, this is the guy that I'm targeting at six. And then maybe for the warriors as well, you know, of those five guys, who are the two that you think are, would be the best for, you know, maybe not even necessarily the best fit there, but just the two best prospects out of those five for golden state and for uh, Oklahoma city at six and seven. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, and, and, and I love Giddy. Um, I love Franz Wagner. I love Davion Mitchell as well. You know, yeah. I think all those guys are super interesting and impactful in their own right. Um, you know, I think that Kaminga and, and Book Knight are probably the most uh, interesting of the bunch. Um, you know, Kaminga is a fascinating one to me. And I'm curious to get to get your take on him because, you know, there were times in the bubble where it was like, holy shit, you know, yeah. like, is this is this like the guy is this, you know, I I'll just, I'll never forget like the amount of calls and texts I got. Cause you know, I wasn't there and it's like, why, why don't, why do you guys have 
why isn't he the number one pick? Like, what are you talking about? And, um, and then to see that go from like, oh my God, now we're so petrified for us to be staring, you know, him to be staring us in the face at 10 or whatever it is. I'm like, what are we talking about? Um, so I think if you're like Oklahoma city and you know, you can take your time with a guy and you can get a big wing like that, um, you know, who can be like in a small market where it's strictly basketball and he's just locked in, in that program, I, I think that would be a, a really interesting fit. Um, whereas like book night, you know, like in golden state, I mean, you, you know, you know, their situation better than I, but, um, it seems like they could really use like a infusion of scoring and shot creation. Like he can potentially offer, you know, um, it's funny to see the fact, like both those guys, you have different, uh, like teams see it really differently. Yeah. And, and like, like book night, some are like, all right, like this guy's a top five pick. He's like some combination of Booker Beal and, you know, all these like modern guards. And then others are like, he's, he's Jordan Clarkson, you know, like he's always going to be like a bench bucket. Um, I'm probably somewhere in between on that. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty high on him. And then Kaminga, you know, so I, there were times it was like, okay, could he be like some version of Jalen Brown? And then there are others when it's like, all right, maybe his best case is like Harrison Barnes. You know, he's kind of like got these ball stopping tendencies where like he's really good in the mid post. He's a little stubborn. He's not always the player or defender you want him to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm pretty mystified by 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 both of them to some degree. Um, but again, those are to me, those are that's kind of that next little bucket of uh, of talented players there. Yeah, so Kaminga, my thoughts on him are just obviously with his athleticism and size, and just that those are the players who run the league and to get a player with that type of upside. I mean, because to me, when you're drafting in the top five or the top 10, I mean, that's the value of those picks is just yeah, not not necessarily like, okay, what is the median outcome for this guy? Okay, we know that on average, like, you know, 60% of the guys drafted six through 10 or starters or whatever the, the stat is. Right. It's more about, okay, this guy has a 10% chance of being a big star. Like that's that's what the value of those picks is. Like those are the stars are what run the NBA and for Kaminga it's it's tough because I actually think the situation he was in with the G League probably made him look worse than he might have looked if he was actually on a college team that was trying to win because a college team that was trying to win wouldn't have just like given him all these mid post isos or like wouldn't have had him taking a bunch of threes that he's shooting 25% on or whatever he would have been you know a power forward you know doing more stuff in the effort categories looking good and then maybe he's showing a few flashes as as a shooter when he's wide open or something like that as opposed to here where it was just like all right we're like the reason that this team exists is to try and give you some on-ball reps and so we're going to do that even if you have 46 percent true shooting where a team that's trying to win just wouldn't have necessarily tolerated that so uh and again i think that you know the situation as far as the team around him was you know they had good vets and that you know to practice against but also you know, it wasn't necessarily that conducive. So, I mean, I think still with his, uh, the athleticism that he has, you could just tell, obviously, he's just very inexperienced as a player compared to these guys, you know, because he reclassified and, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, didn't, didn't play as much a, you correct me out on that uh, if I'm wrong there. But uh, so, I mean, I think it, once you get to five or six, like he would probably be number five on my board over Barnes. Granted, I haven't looked at, at book night as much, but uh, any reaction to that? No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a Kaminga guy, to be honest. Yeah. And I think like the skepticism is, and I'm with you. Like you have that body, and and he's a guy who, you know, I remember like talking about even with you, like Jalen Brown's footwork and handle. 
you know, like for a guy that powerful and like JK probably isn't as refined with some of that stuff, but for a guy with that body, like, I think he has a little bit of that, you know, and, and simply the fact that, listen, there's value in guys who can go get you a bucket, like 15 feet in even so, you know, and then if he can just make corner threes, like to me, he's a better prospect than, you know, Patrick Williams. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I think like if, if, if he were at Florida state and he came off the bench and he played 25 minutes a game, like where would we be looking at him? And that's, that's interesting to, to your point, you know? Um, but yeah, I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far in the negative way, um, on Kaminga. Yeah. And you know, maybe it won't work out, but that's, that's just the the reality, right? Like, I don't see the other guys in here. Maybe Book Knight could, could fall into that as a guy who has potential. So the big question about Book Knight is his shooting shot 29% from three this year. But I've been seeing reports, I think, including for, from you and John, about how he's shooting it amazingly well in workouts. And to me, you know, with his athleticism and if he's a really good shooter – you know, again, it maybe you're at six, you're getting into maybe a different phase of the draft. But if he's a really good shooter with his athleticism, I, I think it's a reasonable pick there. But I think that 29% for three kind of scares some people a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a, a good shooter. The, the thing with him is like everything is off the dribble. You know, yeah. like everything is like rhythm, hezzy, like give me the ball, like let me go, right? And And that's hard stuff to teach. But now it's about channeling that into becoming like a more functional player. Right. And how do you play off of other stars um, and use less dribbles to be effective? Because if we're going to give you the ball and you're going to be the shot creator, then you got to be a better passer. Right. So it's either that. And that's where I think people talk about like the rich man's Jordan Clarkson, like, okay, is, is he just going to be this like bench bucket? This is what I do. This is who I am. Or is he going to be like this, all around complete player. And I think he's trending toward becoming that he's got a little bit of edge to him, which I like. Um, so yeah, in, in the right situation, like that's why I think golden state would be interesting for him is just like being around, um, you know, that like ball moving style and vets and being able to be more efficient with the way that he plays, um, would, would be pretty interesting, like and beneficial for him long-term. Yeah. All right, man. Well, sadly we could have this conversation for another three hours, but, we really appreciate having uh, even an hour of your time. This has been great as usual. If you, hey, if you want to hit, if you want to hit any quick hitters on some other guys you're interested in, I'm, I got like ten minutes. Oh yeah, all right, now let's do you. it. Um, so let's uh, let's get into the guy. Is there anyone? Actually, no. Let's talk about Alperin Schengen. That's that's the guy, <laughs> and I, I've only you know the statistical models are just head over heels about this guy and and you know i haven't been able to watch him in full but i I, i've watched some to at least get an idea of what he is so my my question is because i really like his offensive upside and you know he shows even some like kind of Jokic-esque, sabonis-esque flashes and he's not going to be a great defender i think we can acknowledge that but like you is he big enough to just kind of defend the center position in just kind of like a traditional drop coverage or or in the post or is he really kind of more like power forward size yeah i always thought more like traditional powered forward size you know yeah like um i mean when i was out there i spent a couple days around him three three four days and uh i thought like all right this guy's six nine you know like he's strong and and like physical but he's six nine but you know teams that have had him in say that he measured 
six ten in shoes, you know. So uh, he he's got decent length. I think around a seven foot seven one wingspan. Um, you know, on offense, like he shows you some four stuff. Um, like I think he's going to make a lot of threes. Honestly, like from being able to see yeah. him practice, like I, his his touch is is unbelievable. And I've seen him rattle off ten in a row, eleven in a row, twelve in a row. You know, like I think he's going to make threes. Um, and he's a confident kid. He's like a risk taker, and 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 that's the part that oh, kind of yeah. reminds me of the, Jokic. The passing bit. is uh, is pretty crazy. I mean, no one's ever going to be Jokic as a passer, but he definitely right. is uh, an ambitious guy. I guess we could. Say. Yeah, he's an ambitious guy, and it doesn't always end great, you know. Um, but he's he's a fun one to watch in that regard. But yeah, I think like if he if he was seven feet tall. Or if he were the size of even like Valashunas or someone like that, you know, I think we're talking about a top 10 pick. Um, and he's just like not quite as big as those guys, you know. And so he, the thing that saves him a little bit is he has great instincts. So like he can be the drop defender and at least like read it and bluff and recover and do those things. He just doesn't really have the, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Onyeka, like, does he have the physical gifts and the length to like actually go get that? Even if his brain tells him yes against NBA athletes. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the questions guarding pick and roll. Like he's just slow, you know, like he used to be 20, 30 pounds heavier. Hmm, right. And, that's interesting. Um, yeah, he lost a ton of weight. So like, some, you know, one of the phrases like slow feet, stay slow or fat feet, stay slow or whatever, whatever the phrase is. Um, so he's, he's all, he's never going to be like a rim runner. He's never going to be like great in an up-tempo offense, but if you can find a way to like, I don't know, like, I, I think his worst case is that he's like some awesome, awesome backup center that you can like run your offense through, you know? Yeah. Um, and his, and his best case is that like, he's able to play a little bit more for than we thought. Um, and you can use him like I think he's interesting next to like Jaron Jackson or something like that, you yeah. know. Um, so that's and with the different like style of bigs that we're seeing in the NBA, like I wouldn't rule out that he finds a, a good front court pairing. But yeah, the productivity is unbelievable. The hands are unbelievable. The ambitious nature is is really cool to watch. Um, you know, he doesn't really speak English. I think that's going to take him some time. Um, but yeah, he's he's. He's the most intriguing of the international to me. Like Giddy, great passer, high IQ. You, we've seen him before, you know. Um, Garuba, great energy defender. Those guys, we've seen we've seen a few of them. But this guy is something a little bit different. Yeah, and maybe the Sabonis comparison is an interesting one to me. Like physically, how would you say he compares to Sabonis as an, an athlete and in terms of his size? Yeah, Sabonis was is is definitely more like defined like this guy i mean when i first saw this guy he was like ucla kevin love you know yeah. like he was like thick thick bodied he's always gonna have like thick ankles um whereas sabonis is like a little bit more robotic in his movements but like just you know pretty well put together um whereas i think that shangun what makes him interesting and why i see a little bit of Jokic at times is he's like insanely flexible like I went to watch him out there and I'm watching practice and this dude is doing the splits and putting his chest on the ground. And to see a guy like that, so he used to be a swimmer coming up and to see a guy like that size, just with the way he like flails around and spins off of you and maneuvers his way through traffic. It's because he has this like insane flexibility. That's hmm. really hard to quantify athletically. And 
Um, so that's why he's 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 a little strange uh, to put your finger on. But yeah, I think that Sabonis like is is a good um, kind of template and prototype for him to shoot for. Quickly, how good is this league that he was killing? Down, down. Not what yeah. it was. Um, you know, I think with with COVID and, and financial struggles and, uh, you know, they're, they're still Fenerbahce. They're still Ephes. You know, he had some good games with the Turkish men's national team. So, like, it's not like, you know, some second division league that's complete bullshit. But um, it's not it's not like he did this in the EuroLeague, you know? Yeah. Or even the ACB or even France or, you know, it, um, it's, it, it was a little bit down, but you know, he played with James Blackman, um, you know, who, who had a cup of coffee, um, Markel Johnson, Joel Berry, like they, they have Americans in that league. Um, but you know, there are some games where you're like, who, who is this guy, you know? So (laughs) yeah, when you're saying who is this guy, then that's, uh, that is an obscure (laughs) player indeed. But Hey, we saw, we saw Pokushevsky playing against like, plumbers and and substitute <laughs> teachers and like it looks like he's kind of playing the same way in the nba too so yeah that's it, it, he's a really intriguing guy to me i i think i i'm you know uh, i might be higher in a, 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 than some of these other guys and then it's uh, let me ask you this last question here of these kind of wings who were really highly touted and then had disappointing seasons i would say so bj boston zaire williams and uh, Jalen Johnson, right out, out of Duke. Um, yep. What do you make of those guys? Do, do any of them stand out? If you're kind of all right, we want to go for the wing upside guy here. Uh, when would it be reasonable to take someone like that? And which of those three guys do you like the best? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, they all kind of just like could get a little tougher. I will say, you know, yeah. um, I, I just I wish there was like a little bit more edge with those guys. I mean. You know, BJ coming out, we had the most highly rated just because he seemed a little more polished as a scorer and a shot maker. And, you know, I think he's a better shooter than his percentages say. So, you know, I think like from a scoring perspective, he probably has the most um, game. I think Zaire, like athletically in terms of like the springiness and the way he runs the floor and the footwork on pull-ups is, is pretty interesting, but I think he's a long, long ways away just in terms of like being able to, you know, he's got to guard point guards uh, realistically. And, and so uh, I think that's going to be, take him some time. I I would probably go with Jalen Johnson um, just because of like, I think the open court passing is interesting. I think the body six, nine, he's more ready to have an impact like the shooting can get better the confidence from three can get better but you know he's the one who to me when he did play at least showed a little bit more of a consistent pulse even though his season was all over the place but you know that 26 15 and 5 game or whatever against Pitt um gave you a little glimpse so i i would probably go with him um i think he still ends up in the top 17 or 18 or something like that um you know i've I've said like if he can be some type of boris diao or something like that like better you know people forget boris was an athlete when he was young but um not a primary scorer but more like facilitator swiss army knife type of guy all right well that is our uh additional 10 minute allotment so i i will thank you (laughs) for coming on again and uh espn insider obviously espn's uh draft coverage on tv as well you can catch mike and yeah it's just just been great to uh see your success uh, over the years We're really happy for you and uh you're the best so it's a privilege to have you on 
Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's keep this thing going. You know, um, let's uh, what eight eighth one ne- coming next year. Not as good of a draft, but we'll get it in the books. All right, man. Thanks again. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.